this morning I get to kick off, and I was just laughing with Jess, that it seems like I am kicking off a lot of our series. It's not planned that way. It just so happens that that's where it falls. And so this morning I get to kick off our Advent season, which I could not be more thrilled and ecstatic, ecstatic about. Um, so welcome. Welcome to the churches, the Table Church's Advent season, um, the world's Advent season, a season where we celebrate both the first coming of Christ, our King, our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord, and we also celebrate the expected return of the same person because we hope that he will, we know that he will come back for us at some point. I want to say good morning to the morning service. I feel like I have not seen you all in decades, but I know it's only been a few months, but I love you guys. I really do miss you. I really love you guys, so it's good to be here. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Gracious Father, uh, man, it's just an honor to be before your people, to stand uh, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, and know that you have a word that's placed on not only my heart, but the hearts of the people. I expect, God, that you have been warming the hearts of these people for this word for days and years and weeks prior to this. So, God, I am not presenting anything new. I present only that that you have spoken to me in hopes that you have already saturated the atmosphere and the hearts of the people to receive what you want to say to them. And so, God, I pretend not now to be a God or to be a king or to be a Lord. I just stand here to humbly serve as a servant in your presence, God, to talk and speak to each heart and each mind and each soul in the way that you would have me speak. And God, prepare the hearts of these people to hear what you have to say, not what Ramon has to say, but only what the true and living Spirit of God has to say. And God will be grateful and we'll be thankful together. And we'll give you praise together for you're so worthy. In the name of Jesus, let us all say amen. So I'm going to start with scripture. I am going to be a little scripture heavy this morning, but you all know I'm pretty dramatic, so I'll try to read with my best theatrical voices. After all, I am on a stage, right? Um, so I'll give it to you, and then hopefully, again, it will speak to your hearts. Luke 1, I'm going to read from the uh, NIV version of Luke 1, and of course, you can go on your phones to that, or they will be right here in front of you. <clears throat> the birth of John the Baptist foretold. So the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. That's right, you know, I'd like you to talk back to me. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, everybody say Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous. Everybody say righteous. They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's command and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped 
with fear. But the angel says to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled. Somebody say filled. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to wisdom and righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? You know, the angel has just promised him a child in his, like, 80s. He's, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I, I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Okay, and now you'll be silenced. You'll be, you'll be silent. You won't be able to speak until the day that this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why did he stay so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized, they did realize that he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. When this time of service was completed, he returned home. After his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And I'm going to skip ahead. Just a few scriptures down, the birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up. She said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one in your family or amongst your relatives who has this name John. So they made signs to the father to find out who he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And through all the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Everybody say, amen. I made it through. <laughs> I want to start this morning with this one question. 
What do you desire? What do you desire? I take a second. I just get some things that you desire in your head. What is it that you desire? Mic there. <laughs> what do you desire? I just is there anything you desire? Name, name some peace. Yeah. What What do you desire? Community. Yeah. What do you desire? Health. Yeah. All of us have dreams. All of, people are like, please don't pick on me. I don't. <laughs> All of us have dreams. All of us have aspirations. Some of us have goals. Some of us have high expectations of ourselves. We want two master's degrees. Anybody got two master's degrees? Yeah. Some of us want two master's degrees. Some of us want to earn our PhD degrees that some of us want our parents never earned, and we want to be the first to break that generational uh, gap of not receiving our, uh, their degrees. Some of us want six figures. I'll raise my hand. I know I do. Uh, some of us want the $100,000, $200,000. Some of us just want a nice house with a pretty white picket fence. Some of us want a swimming pool in our backyards for us, for our gatherings, for our social network. Some of us want it for our kids. Some of us want a big dog. Some of us want a little small dog to fit into our purses, our pouches, whatever you want to keep them in. We have dreams. We have desires. We're sometimes willing to work for them extra hard. We're willing to put in the overtime, Chantel. We put in the overtime all the time. To some extent, we're willing to even be disciplined, right? We're like, I really don't want to be disciplined. I'm really not that organized of a person, but I'll go beyond because I really have a desire to get what I want. In some ways, this is the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth. They're very well put together. They're both descendants of the Israelites. They're in the bloodline of Moses and Aaron a well-respected couple who in love. They've come to an older age. They've lived life together. They've shared memories. They've shared dreams. They've shared visions. They've shared stories of the Lord. A wonderful couple that have strived to live right and to be diligent in their affairs. Yet, one of their top desires, to have a child, They've sought after and tried and tried. Alex, they've tried over and over again to have a child. They've prayed and they've cried over and over and over again. God, please, I've lived right. I've, I've done what you've asked. I, I show up at the temple every single week. I go in and I burn the incense at the altar for you. And God, all of this, Elizabeth is why do I, do I suffer this embarrassment of shame that people know I am, I just cannot have a child? Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever longed for something? You prayed for something? You worked for something? You cried for something? You begged for something? You pleaded for something from God? Some of us are the exact results of prayers. I know that my grandmother was a praying grandmother. My great-grandmother was a praying great-grandmother. Some of us have stories of our families praying for us. I hope that my baby gets through college. I hope my baby don't get attacked by this cruel, cruel world. I, my baby moving to D.C. I hope my baby can find a house in D.C. and friends in D.C. Anybody move to D.C. and your parents were like, are you sure 
you want to go to D.C., right? People have prayed for you. Our teachers have prayed for us. I just hope this child who is such a terrible child gets an A in whatever he does because my child, this child is horrible, right? Like people have prayed or at least, you know, asked somebody that you would get it right. Our church leaders have prayed for us. Some of you are reciprocating that prayer life right now. Lord, if you would just see my children through this cold, tough world. Lord, if my kids can just make it in to college, that hopefully in this hectic political climate they can find friends and they can mix in with friends that don't always look like them. Hopefully my kids, some of you move because you want your kids to go to school in a diverse environment where they can be amongst maybe the LGBTQ population or amongst Asian or amongst black or amongst white or whatever the other is. Some of you just want to make sure that you can pay your mortgage. Some of you are just praying that you can make your rent. Lord, if you would just help me make it. Lord, if you'll help my mom get over cancer, my father get over sickness, all of us are praying to some degree that God will do something. Something. And here, Zechariah and Elizabeth are pleading, God, if you would just bless us with a child. One of the things I find most interesting in this particular scripture is that despite the silence of God's response to this one prayer, it's safe to say that our couple does not retaliate with any rebellious behavior. Somebody say rebellious. They don't, they don't, they don't retaliate. As a matter of fact, the scripture, Jess, reports that our couple, Zach and Lizzie, you like those nicknames? I do. Zach and Lizzie are righteous in the sight of God. They are righteous. Somebody say righteous. Yeah. You said, what does that mean? I heard you. I know you asked. What does that mean, righteous, especially in the sight of God? Well, the Bible makes a few claims about this. I want to skip to a place. One of the scriptures that I think is so, 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 uh, it's, it's so interesting that it does this in Genesis, uh, it does this in Genesis, Chantel. It goes back to Genesis where um, there's some of a similar story. Uh, there's the story of Abram, who later is Abraham. You all might know that story. Genesis 15 says, the Lord's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram says, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Sound familiar? He says, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is uh, Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you've given me no children. So a servant in my household is going to be my heir? Just a, a quick, right? Back. Abram is this great servant of the Lord. He's done everything the Lord has said. And just like Zachariah and Elizabeth, Abram is in his like 70s or 80s, and he's like, God, you know, you haven't given me a child. I've done, I've been righteous. I've done all this stuff for you. Uh, verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man, Abram, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Here's the, the most key part of this. 
Abraham believed the Lord. Somebody say believed. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited, the Lord credited to Abraham his belief as righteousness. There it is, righteousness. What about Job? Anybody know the story of Job? God allows Job to go through a whole bunch of stuff, right, which I would never want to go through. In Job, Job 1.1, the introduction of this, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. There it is, Job, a righteous man. Or Paul writes in Philippians 3, just allow me to set up this case. I promise you, I'm going somewhere. Philippians 3, Paul says, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having, here it is, a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So, it's safe to say that we can define a righteous person or persons as those who have faith and an active relationship with Jesus and have aligned their desires with God. Is that up there? Everybody read that with me. Righteous person. So we can define a righteous person. A person is those who have faith and an active relationship with Jesus and have aligned their desires with God's. This, this was the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Attentive to God's design, attentive to God's desires. They were obedient disciples to God's word. They were righteous in God's eyes. Now, by no means do I attest that Zach and Lizzie are perfect or perfected beings for well, the scripture is clear that all men have fallen short of the glory of God. And so it is not by our own merit that we can be seen as righteous, as Paul states, but rather through our faith in Jesus Christ we are made righteous. This is the righteousness of our couple. I wonder how many of us in today's society, in a world of political correctness, microwave answer mentalities, in a world of privilege, that we can honestly say that we're willing to wait on God or even accept God's silence. We can discern from our scripture that this whole thing about being barren for Elizabeth and Zachariah, it's a sensitive thing for them. We can also see that they remain diligent, though, in their loyalty and their faith. What are you saying, Pastor Ray? So, so listen, I, some of us have prayed and we've tarried. We, we, we prayed and we prayed, God, please give me a, a home. Give me a job. Give me more money. God, please help me heal the sick. Help, help those who are older in my family live for extra long. Or God, give me, a, 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 give me peace. God, bring my partner. Give me a boyfriend. Give me a girlfriend. Give me a wife. Give me a husband. Give me a spouse. There are all these things that we pray for. God, give me a better job. God, give me more income. God, give me peace in the midst of the storm. And for some of us, the answer has not come as quickly as we have wanted the answer to come. And what I'm simply saying about Zachariah and Elizabeth is that the response to God's silence 
is not a rebellious one. Sometimes, sometimes we the church, I know, I know, I know, church has hurt us, church has stabbed us in the back, church has judged us, church can get a little messy, but some of us, some of us have run a little too quickly. Some of us have become rebellious because God won't do what I ask God to do. God won't move. when I, And so, God, I just don't know if there's a God that exists. I don't know if this God is real. I don't know if this God is a real God. I, I don't know if this Jesus thing is quite right. They don't approve of my lifestyle. The white church don't approve because I'm black. The black church don't approve because I'm white. I, this church does not love me. The pastor is saying stuff that I don't agree with. But some of us have rebelled against God because God has not been there the way we wanted God. And Elizabeth and Zachariah are not those people. They're the very same people who say, God has not answered my prayers, but I will still show up to the temple. I will still show up in my prayers. I will still be earnest in my going to God. I will still do what God requires of me. This is the righteousness of Zachariah and of Elizabeth. When they go, when Zechariah goes into the altar to pray, the people do what they customarily do, and they stand outside and they pray with Zechariah as he goes in. Second question, who are you in relationship with that's praying with you? Who are you in relationship with that's praying with you? And Jess will like this shout out. This is why community groups are so important. This is why spiritual friends are so important. This is why a network of faithful believers are so important to our journey. In order to live out a righteous life, is that slide? Somebody read that for me. Y'all read it with me. In order to live out a righteous life, there must be an alignment in your private and corporate life with others who will pray for and with you. As Zechariah performs his duty in the temple, an angel of the Lord appears to him and makes a promise that not only have his prayers been heard, which will lead him and his wife to bear a child, but this child will be one who will lead the people back to God. It's here, though, in Zechariah's response that Zechariah goes wrong. This angel shows up. Zechariah gets a little nervous. Oh, my God, where'd you come from? The angel says, I'm Gabrielle. I come in the spirit of God. I'm here to tell you that you're going to have a child. He says, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a child. But in Zachariah's response, he says, what? Who are you talking to? Nah, bro, that ain't me. What do you mean? In my old age? That ain't happening. I ain't having no child. You know how old my wife is? That ain't happening. We, we're way too old. And in the angel's response, he says, okay, fine. I came in the presence of God. You want to believe that? That's cool. You're silent. Don't talk. You'll still have the child because God's promises will come, will come to pass. But you're quiet. And some of you I know, you might question in empathy, why? Like, why would this angel respond in such a dramatic way to such a, a question that I think all, most of us would ask too, right? It's a, it's a question that's very understandable, but, but I ask you this, is it really understandable? Let's examine the facts. In our earlier scripture, and I, I went to Abraham, everybody remember I, I, I introduced Abraham to you. Abraham is approaching the same way. 
right? And this is Old Testament. The angel comes, says to Abraham, right, count the stars. You're going to have as many children as, as the stars are there. And what was Abraham's response, somebody? Come on, I know y'all keeping up. What was Abraham's response? He believed, yes. Abraham believes. Somebody's awake, yes. I got at least one person awake. And Abraham says, no. Abraham believes in what the angel says to him. I wonder, I wonder how our doubt of God's word would differ if we were to place ourselves in alignment with God's desires through an active relationship of faith. See, through faith, we align ourselves with God. Our fears and our doubts are then canceled out and replaced by wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Because of Zachariah's doubt, the angel Gabriel muted him. He would not be able to speak again until John the Baptist, his son, was born. How often do we in our doubt limit ourselves from receiving God's ultimate blessings? How many times have we limited our potential because we don't think ourselves to be pretty enough? We don't think ourselves to be wise enough. Maybe we say to ourselves, I don't have the potential to excel in that area. I could never get up on Sunday morning and sing with the worship crew. That, I don't even know what that looks like. I could never stand up with my community group and pray. I could never pray at my job. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't have the words that those fancy words that those preachers be using when they're up there preaching and speaking. That just isn't me. I don't know what it looks like to serve on the leadership team of serving hospitality. I could never have that warm personality. I don't know what it looks like to, to, to lead in, in, in college with my friends and, and join this group. I could never be a part of the diversity group. I could never hang with them. I could never, I could never, I could never. All of that doubt. God wants us to trust him as he proves himself over and over and over again. He wants us to stand in holy boldness, in righteousness, and trust, put your faith where your mouth is. I never forget a, a preacher that I served with at a church before this. We had gone to a workshop, and there was a young lady who was a preacher for the occasion. And there's one line that she said, and those who know the story of Ezekiel, and he, when God chose Ezekiel to speak, to the dry bones and the dry bones were to be awakened and they were, the flesh came back over them and they breathed the breath of life. It was a field of dry bones. Ezekiel speaks out to them and they come back to life miraculously. This preacher said, to the preachers underneath the sound of my voice, you are charged every Sunday morning to go into a field of dry bones and speak life back to those dry bones that they might rise and go out and preach the word of the Lord. And that resonated with me. And so I stood with that same friend of mine, that pastor, who had heard these words with me. And I remember one Sunday morning, we were standing there, and he said, I just don't know how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that. And we were talking and complaining about how our bills were piling up, how, you know, we were dealing with certain folks that just would not let certain things Oh, old school church, we don't do that here at the table. And I remember I looked at him and I said, you know, bro, here's the issue. 
we stand up every Sunday and we preach to people, just have faith. How many times have we heard that, right? Just have faith. And here we are. We're doubting the same God that we preach to other people about. We're questioning our own stuff. We're questioning our own call. We're questioning our own discipleship. And yet, we'll go right into the pulpit and preach, have faith. And so, I remember that year, I said to myself, I make a vow. I make a vow to catch myself every time that I start to mumble those words. I just don't know. I just don't know if God hears me. I don't know if God will answer. I don't know where God is in this season. And I would start to say to myself, I'm just waiting for God. I'm just patiently hoping and praying God will come. And even, here's the real kicker, even if God does not answer the way I want him to, I will still be diligent. I will still stand firm because my faith is not based on a consumery type of mentality, God. My faith is not based on God, please, yes, I will. My faith is based on God gave me breath. God gave me life. God gives me liberty. God gives me grace. God is merciful. That's where my faith lies. The key is to be righteous through our faith and in alignment with God. And so in this season, in this Advent season, I pray that as we celebrate the arrival of a Savior, Emmanuel, which means God is with us, God in the flesh is with us, and as we anticipate the coming of that same Messiah, I pray that you align yourself with the King of Kings. Pray that you become totally aware of God's presence in your life. I pray that you align yourself with the righteousness of Zachariah and Elizabeth. I pray that you align yourself with the righteousness of Abraham. I pray that our church not just be a church that is based on just service alone. I pray that our church is not just based on justice and acts of justice alone. I pray that our church is not based on just money or worldly desires alone. Instead, I pray that you desire more Jesus. I pray that you desire more Jesus. More Jesus to come in. More Jesus speak to me. More Jesus talk to me. More Jesus grant peace to me. Instead, I pray that you live to become more righteous. That you define righteousness by your alignment with God, your prayer life with God. Instead, I pray that you grow in your relationship with God and others like Zachariah who walked into the temple. You will have a field of people who are always praying with you and for you. That you align yourself with a community that is always going before God's altar and is growing with you and for you. Instead, I pray that you will move into holy boldness, that you will walk with the firm foundations of faith in everything that you do, knowing that God is always with you, that even in your seasons of doubt, even in your seasons of calamity, even in your seasons of chaos, even in your seasons of loss, even in your seasons of hurt, even in your seasons of grief, even in your seasons of despair, 
even in your seasons of anguish, in your seasons of loneliness, in your seasons of bitterness, that you will still walk in holy boldness with a faith that proves to the world that you are sure that God is with you, that God is here, that God is real. Let's pray. Gracious God, there is nothing that I could have said or could have done that would have totally just moved people to be in alignment with your spirit. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, which is always present, is right now saturating somebody's heart, that it has moved somebody's soul to walk in alignment with you more. God, that perhaps there's someone here today that has been wrestling with praying over and over and over and over again that God would just make a way. I pray, God, that today they heard a word that reestablishes their faith and their covenant with you and their love to you that says, even if God does not come the way I want him to come, I will trust in God's word. I will trust in God's presence. I will continue to move. I will continue to rejoice that today somebody makes a move to be in more relationship with you, that they are willing to put the hurt and the misery, the chaos and calamity, the doubt behind them and move towards a better relationship, a more sound and resonant relationship with you. God, please, I'm begging for their lives. I'm begging for their joy. I'm begging for their peace, that on today they make a decision that doubt will rule them no more, but that your faith, your faith will be all that will guide you. God, we love you. In the name of Jesus.